to the book of First Corinthians, chapter number fifteen, if you would please. Our pastor sure uh, skated all over this chapter this morning and talking about the gospel, and I agree with him one hundred percent. One, and uh, I I was so impressed and moved with the message this morning. You know, let me just give you uh, something out of the book of Psalms also. It wouldn't hurt you just turn to the book of Psalms 71. I'm flipping through my Bible the other day and I was reading and uh, come upon a verse that I marked several, several years ago. And it's so pertinent for the hour in which we live and the day in which we are attempting to serve the Lord. Psalm 71 is... uh, it's a psalm written by an old man by the name of David. Uh, as a lad, he slew the lion and the bear. As a youth, he slew that giant in the valley. But now he's not young anymore. He's run from Saul. He's now reigned as king. And uh, he's not a young man anymore. And he comes to the wee waning hours of his life, probably wondering, uh, what now? What? uh, I'm not a king any longer. Maybe I'm not very important as I used to be. And he read, he wrote down in Psalms 71, verse 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. You're never too old to serve the Lord. It's because some gray hairs on your head or no hair at all. Don't mean it's a place for you to quit. Who's going to show my grandkids? Who's going to show yours? Who's going to be that flame and testimony of the grace of God? To those who've come after you. We better watch what we do. And watch what we say. Watch where we go. Somebody's watching. You're preaching with your life. Every single day. Your attitude is yelling much louder. Than your tithe. Well, I, I, I used to serve God. What's wrong starting all over right now again? Others about us are watching. Amen. That didn't cost you a thing. It's not even the sermon. Now turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 
15, if you would please, our pastor mentioned this morning as he spoke on the gospel. And uh, this chapter is known as the gospel chapter. And he, he defined the gospel in its clarity this morning in verses 1 through 3 and talked about the gospel. And evidently, this church at Corinth was kind of an immature rebellious kind of church and uh, evidently some of the Sadducean uh, theology had uh, drifted in the church and said there was not going to be a resurrection and Jesus really didn't raise from the dead somebody stole him and so forth and so on and so this book is written out of request in 1st Corinthians chapter number 7 if you notice something real quickly, verse number 1, Paul says to us the reason for the book. Verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is not good for a man not to touch a woman. So evidently the church at Corinth had written to Paul uh, asking him to write and give them some instructions concerning things that was going on in the church, such as uh, cliques in the church. You know, I like Paul, uh, they like Apollos, and the other crowd likes Cephas, and the other crowd don't like anybody. And uh, that's in chapter number 3. Chapter number 2 talks about the immaturity and the childness going on in the church. And... Uh, Chapter 5 talks about uh, a rapid sin that's going on in the church. Open fornication uh, being practiced and covered up and, 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 and put up with in the church. So you go through the church, uh, through the book, and you find all of these things that's transpiring in the church. And, and uh, Acts chapter nine, 8 it talks about uh, uh, Christian liberty. Uh, Things we can do, things we should not do. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. It's not a sin for me to go down to 7-Eleven and buy beer for you. It's a sin is when somebody catches me doing it and thinks I'm the one that's drinking the dumb stuff. You're welcome. Christian liberty. He talks about Christian liberty. So if you want some beer, go buy it yourself. I'm not going to buy any. I buy for my own, but I don't buy for anybody else. Uh, chapter number uh, 10 deals with uh, 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 the wilderness wanderings and, and so forth and so on. Chapter number 12 talks about uh, spiritual gifts. And God knows we ought to know something about spiritual gifts. God bless Brother Out and his soul winning fervor and you know why he's a soul winner? Because he comes to soul winning on Saturday. You know why you're not? You're welcome. That's why he's a soul winner. And he runs around with a soul winner. It takes a lot of grace to run around with Marshall. I'll guarantee that. And maybe one of these days, brother, how you can get him saved if it, get, if it keeps going like it is. All right. Uh, but spiritual gifts. God has gifted every Christian with a gift. A gift, a spiritual gift, a spiritual ability to serve God in the church. And so the church is the body of Christ. And these members in my body 
used to work. They don't work anymore. Kind of reminds me of Joshua Baptist Church. You used to go soul winning. You don't anymore. You used to bring people to church. You don't anymore. You used to love the Lord. And I think you still do. But you love yourself more. Problem in the church. Chapter 14 has to deal with tongues. God knows we need to deal with tongue, right? Huh? He straightened the tongue deal out. Then he gets to chapter 15 and said, Say, I hear some of you folks over there teaching there's no resurrection from the dead. And notice what he says. Andrew, Brother Andrew gave us this this morning. Look at this now in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Okay. What is the gospel? Which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. If I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, According to the scriptures. Took a lot of grace to die. Took a lot of love for him to die. But did not take anything supernatural to die. Because there's two other fellows on either side. And both of them died. And they were not supernatural. Nothing supernatural about those two men on the outer courts dying. Christ died for our sins. That's important. Secondly, he was buried according to the scriptures. Nothing supernatural about being buried. They've been burying folks like that for centuries. In fact, the tomb that he was buried in was borrowed because it was purchased that the person who owned the tomb might be buried in the tomb. Nothing supernatural about the death and the burial other than the vicariously application of the death. But here's the problem. You move the resurrection. You take away the resurrection. You avoid the resurrection. And you remove everything that's supernatural. Three days after Calvary. And what is happening is this new kind of gospel. Without the supernatural power. And the supernatural resurrection of Christ is no gospel at all. It's a wounded gospel. It's not sufficient. And if God was not God enough to raise him from the dead, he's not God enough to save me and forgive me of my sins. So, 
chapter 15 goes into covering the necessity of the resurrection, the mode of the resurrection, the method of the resurrection, and even confronts if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is vain and our preaching is foolishness. And then he says in verse 35, watch this. In verse 35, he gets kind of plain. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? Well, that's a dumb question. God raises them up. These folks are looking at the gospel as something that is humanistic and not supernatural. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Will we know them? Will they still have the pimple on their nose? Will their ears still be lopsided? Will we know them? In what body will we recognize them? Will we be married? God bless your heart. I hope we are. I love my wife so much I'd hate to leave her. Who would get my tea in heaven if she's not there? Right? And what body... Will they be raised in? And Paul answers that crowd only as a Baptist would. Thou fool, you big dummy, you ignoramus, don't you know that the body you have is not really you? Did you know that in the Bible, the Bible says that we were created in the image and likeness of God. Did you know that? Now visualize with me, if you would please, in the Garden of Eden. Did God create a body first, and then a spirit, and then a soul? When God created Adam, what did he create first? The body? The soul? Or the spirit? Didn't somebody say that God is spirit? And they that worship him in truth and in spirit. If I am going to create somebody in my image, I will probably create him to look like me, to be like me. Did God create a body first and stick a spirit in it? Or did he create the spirit first and give the spirit a tabernacle, a vehicle? By which 
we can identify and love and have relationships with one another. Now, please, don't let me overload you. It's a little bit deeper in Roadrunner and Coyote. Beep, beep, bump. Just think a minute. What does it mean being created in the image of God? I know we are triune being. I know we are soul and a body and a spirit. I know that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But if God is going to create us, and He's going to create us in His image and in His likeness, is that body? Is that flesh? Is that bone? God is not flesh or bone. Well, let's go on. You probably need to think about that a little while tonight. Verse 37. Verse 36, thou fool, that which thou sawest is not quickened except it die. Brother Andrew and I, when we sow something, it must die and die and die and die. Because it never comes up. I think most of the wheat that we've put out in the last 10 years have been harvested in China. It must have grown down and not up. Our bodies, when they put them in the grave, what happens? Verse number 38, over 37, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may change of wheat or of some other grain. My wife is a great horticulturist. She is. I've seen her back in the backyard putting the ugliest looking stuff in the ground. You know, shaggy, dirty, broken stuff. Puts it in the ground and covers it up. And I don't know, but something happens to it. Because if in a few days you start messing around in the dirt, you'll notice that the seed is beginning to crack. Bust open. Little white strings of things begin to go downward. Little buds begin to go upward. 
The moment the buds that is going upward breaks through the surface and the atmosphere touches it, it begins to turn green. Looks nothing like that which she put in the ground a few days ago. It was ugly and rash and harsh. But now, something unusual. You might say supernatural. As little shoots begin to go downward, little shoots begin to go upward, and the atmosphere hits it and they turn green. It grows from a little sprout to a stalk to a bulb to a flower. Not at all looking like that which was planted. God, I hope you don't look like you do now when you get up. Wouldn't it be terrible to be in heaven for eternity looking at bald heads? Namely, nobody I'm talking about. All flesh is not the same flesh, verse 39. But there's one kind of flesh of man. Another flesh of beast. Another of fish. Another of birds. There's celestial bodies, and there's terrestrial bodies. There's physical bodies, and there's spiritual bodies. You got that? I said, you got that. I know you're wearing the one you got plumb out right now. But I got news for you. You're going to get a brand new one. You know what? I bet you don't have to take a bath every day. It probably won't stink like this one does. It probably won't hurt like this one does. Yep, we'll plant it. A celestial body. But God will raise it. A terrestrial body. It'll be sown in weakness, raised in power. It'll be sown with limitation, be raised with no limitations at all. You say, are you worried about COVID? Not five seconds. Because I'm going where COVID's not welcome. May have trouble down here getting a doctor. It's a shame that we can't get doctors without a six-month appointment. Well, I'm going to go where there ain't no doctors. They're just going to be out of business. And I wouldn't ask one of them suckers to deal with my spiritual body any. I'm afraid he hadn't been educated in that realm of medical expertise. You say, now, preacher, what are you getting at? Oh, 7.30. 
Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Isn't that something? wonder why it didn't say a body. Quickening spirit wrapped up in an earthly body so that you and I might identify with him. Notice if you would please. Howbeit that was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Seventeen different compound goes into making your earthly dust. As is the earthy, and are they that are of the earthy? As is the heavenly. Such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit The kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. You and I are not fit for heaven. There is no way in God's green earth you and I could survive seconds. In heaven with the body that you're walking around in. You are not fit. Earthy, fleshly, sinful bodies cannot coexist with holiness and heaven. Isn't it a shame you're taking so much care of that which is so worthless and spend so little time on that which is eternal. Verse 51. Behold, the cause of all of this. Because we've got the victory won. Because when we say goodbye here, we're just saying 
hello there. Because this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My hope is all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Because of all of that, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die. Notice how the Holy Spirit puts a soft, a soft description of death and terms it sleep. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'm glad of that. I'll tell you. I'll be sitting in a chair groaning and my wife will come by and say, what's hurting now? Because it's never the same thing. It rotates from my feet to my hands, my legs, my back. And if nothing is hurting, I act like it. She gets to see tea a lot faster that way. Thank God. One of these days, I'm going to be changed. You say, preacher, just how long is it going to take? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. I didn't say blink. Because you can see a blink. You can't see a twinkle. That's what my wife got that night I was preaching at Emory Baptist Church and she first saw me. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I could see it in her eye, way back yonder in the back of the church. She said to herself, I could hear now, I hope he asked me out real quick. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. Say, what's the last trump? That's the last one. You say, there's going to be another one before it. I'm supposed to be a first one and the second and third one. I know when it was time to assemble Israel to the gate, of the, to the door of the tabernacle, there was a trumpet blown. And all Israel knew it was time. When it was time to march and leave, they blew a trumpet. One of these days, our Lord's going to step out on the ledge of nothing, blow the trumpet, and all the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the Lord, in the air. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. Now this is in verse number 52. You need to look at this. The dead shall be raised. How? Incorruptible. We were buried in corruption, we are raised incorrupt. We was buried in a body like this one. We are raised in a body like Jesus' body. For this corruptibility must put on incorruption. And this mortal must be put on immortality. So when this corruptibility shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. But thank God the resurrection of Jesus Christ removed the stinger from death because in Christ we shall rise again. O death, where is thy sting? The strength of sin is the law. Now for ten minutes, I want to talk to you about these next two verses. Over at my house, if you ever come over there, bring money or food. You will see that my wife is not a prepper, but she grows much of what we eat. And much of what all the squirrels and the birds eat. And if you want to see my wife's Christianity grow short, just say, look at that squirrel going across the yard, one of your pears. This morning she come in and had blood all over her. She's got nine little bitty chickens she's been raising for months and months and months. She went out there this morning and she had eight little chickens that she'll be raising for the next few months. We had a pet snake. Had, as in past tense. A couple of years ago, she said, honey, I'd like to have some bees. Whatever my wife wants, I will spin and be spent, crawl on my hands and knees across this nation to get what she wants. So I walked all the way to Missouri to get her two hives of bees. Put one hive under one arm, one hive under the other arm, and they flew me all the way back to Texas. First class. This year we had a snow like we've never had before. And I want to tell you something. Florida bees didn't do well in Texas weather. And I went back there because I love my wife and personally... At a funeral for every bee she had in those two eyes. Anything that had their legs sticking straight up toward heaven. I said, now dear God, this bee will be changed one day. We had a bee, bee funeral at our place. Did we not wife? Well... I haven't got a lot of sense. And I said, honey, you want some more bees? I should have never asked her that. She said, yes, I would. In fact, I've been looking and I've found some down in Whitney. Well, now the bees we bought in the mail, the ones that I flew all the way back from Missouri, I got them all tamed before we got here and they would not hardly sting you at all. No. 
you could just put them on your tongue and they wouldn't sting you. They just, they were hospitable bees. They were Baptist bees. Baptist bees. Always had a good spirit about them. Right, wife? My wife would go down there. She looks, y'all, she is one cool dude in that bee machine suit she's got. Hair, the head sticking out there this big. So she found two hives down in Whitney. Texas bees are not like other bees. These were raised too close to Africa. They are wound up. Hotty totty, get you quick, kind of bees. She conned our pastor, Reverend Drew, into helping her situate her bees. I don't know why the postmark on the hives had Africa written on them. I have no idea why I had it on there. But I do believe the bees are African natured bees. So they're moving the bees in and I'm watching Randolph Scott. We bought my wife one of them expensive suits because the last time she messed with her bees, the bees won. And there were swollen places on my wife. We'll not mention how big they got. So, and I think it affected her here too, just a dab. So she conned her pastor in to helping her situate her bees. Don't you know that's good? You remember the, preach, the sermon I preached on what I learned from my, my wife's chickens? This is the same thing. Brother Andrew conned his mom into letting him have the expensive brand new B uniform that I bought from BR549, Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) He looked cool in that hooded thing. Big old net out front. I bought it to fit my wife. Andrew was walking kind of like this. I thought maybe he was practicing on how to jump the bees because these bees had Africa stamped on the box. About the time I get situated watching Randolph, here the beekeepers came back. Yeah. Andrew walked over to my chair and said, see this? Yeah, I can see that. He said, you know what that is? I said, looked like a nose to me. He said, no, that little stinger in the end of my nose. You see that? Them's the meanest bees I've ever seen. They're hopped up. They're dangerous. You know, some folk are really allergic to those bees. And it could be dangerous. 
That's the reason I'm not doing it. Yeah. When I was just a kid, been a while ago, uh, we didn't have all the... You can go to my house, you can get any kind of bicycle, any color of bicycle, any size bicycle that you want to ride, it's parked by my garage. I was 16 before I could even ride a bicycle. And the way I learned to ride a bicycle, my cousin didn't tell me it didn't have a chain on it. Took me to the top of the hill, lined it up toward my daddy's beehives and turned me loose toward the toilet. Bees are dangerous. If you would just a minute, for about two minutes, I want to show you some of God's bees. Look at verse 57. But thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God because of the resurrection. Thanks be unto God because of the gospel. Thanks be unto God because we're sown in corruption, we're raised in incorruption. Thanks be unto God we may be sown in weakness, but we're raised in power. Thanks be unto God that give us us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 58 Therefore, my dearly beloved, be. See, God's got some bees that works every time. Be ye steadfast. I like that, don't you? Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's my sermon. Number one, be victorious. You know what Paul is saying? You've got the victory, now start living like it. Quit cowing down to all your problems and situations and innuendos and fears that are going by your doorstep. Don't bow down to that. Live like you ought to live. Victorious over sin, hell, death, and the grave. No time for a child of God to walk around mealy-mouthing, foaming at the mouth and complaining about, oh, I'm getting old or I'm getting tired or I'm getting weak. What you need to do is get over it. Because our victory is in Jesus Christ and not in ourselves to begin with. Flying across America years ago was a lot different than it is today. We used to get in those little old DC-3s and tail draggers and take off to the south and get in some of those uh, electric storms. And I'll tell you, I've 
Seen people stand straight up, yell, scream. Women absolutely faint because those things are just shaking, vibrating, and the lightning flashing. And after a while, you'd hear over the intercom, folks, we're going to climb a little higher and get over this storm. They'd fly above what was going on, and everything was peaceful. You know what we need to do? We need to fly a little higher. We need to quit looking at Fox and B-U-L-L and everything else that is hindering us from a victorious walk in Jesus Christ. Be victorious. Secondly, we need to be steadfast. Absence. Of wishy-washy. Absolute total difference from in and out, up and down. We need to be steadfast. God wants us to be victorious. God wants us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Fifty-five years now. You said you haven't done very much. I've done one thing. I didn't quit. Amen. You said well, you ain't doing what you used to do. No, but I'm doing more than I ought to do. Steadfast. You know what Andrew needed as a little bitty boy since I wouldn't let him run around with most men? He needed a daddy sitting on the other side of the seat that was steadfast. Are you listening to me? You know what our church needs is some Christians will be steadfast, unmovable. Steadfast in their walk for God. Steadfast in their walk when nobody else is watching except God. Somebody willing to walk when they don't feel like walking. Steadfast. What God needs is some Josephs who lived the same before his daddy, before his brothers, before Potiphar, uh, before the, the, the king, before the emperor. Somebody that will, whether it's in the pit or in the prison or in the palace, he's the same every day. Steadfast. Steadfast in his walk. Steadfast in his worship. Daniel? Daniel, don't you pray? Not for a while. You can't pray. No, you pray, you're going to get in trouble. I wonder if maybe Biden said we couldn't pray in public. I wonder if we'd be a Daniel. And open the window toward Jerusalem and pray as he had three times a day. Steadfast. What we need, what God needs is some bees. 
be victorious. Live like it. Act like it. God don't need no poor mouthing around. We're more than conquerors to him that loved us. Are we not? I said, aren't we overcomers? We're either overcomers or we're being overcome. We want to be steadfast. Steadfast in our walk. Steadfast in our worship. Steadfast in the war. It's going to get to be a war. It is. There's another barrens around the corner. They're going to tell us we can't and we can't and we can't and we can't. Only God can tell us who are born again we can't. I was reading just yesterday an elderly lady and a 22-year-old lady who got saved and was baptized down at the Baptist church. Well, the ecclesiastical hierarchy didn't like that. Incarcerated the two ladies and put them in prison. And there they abused them, persecuted them, and tried them and condemned them to death. To be drowned in the river. See, it costs Baptist folk for us to be here tonight and worship God like we are. And they gagged and tied hand and foot the elder lady, cast her into the river and watched her drown. Hoping that the young lady would surrender and capitulate. They said, now if you'll just deny your baptism and deny your faith and embrace the Catholic Church, we'll free you. With a smile on her face, she said, tie my hands, tie my feet. I take pleasure in representing my Lord in this matter. And for a long time she bobbed up and down. But finally she sunk to her death. We're in a war. You don't know it yet. Your war now is just with the world, the flesh. The way the devil starts locking us up, threatening us. You go to church down there, you'll be incarcerated. I wonder what that would do to our Sunday morning crowd. Steadfast. Be as steadfast. Unmovable. Be victorious. That's a good that's a good kind of be to have. Be steadfast. Let me give you this one. Be busy. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be busy. Are you busy? You busy here, church? You're busier now than you've ever been in church? 
You're making more visits now. you teaching more kids. you are visiting for a bus more. It's not a matter of us being busy. It says always. Did it say that? Look at your text. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Are you abounding? Am I abounding? Our church abounding. I've read over there in the book of Romans where the Bible says, where sin did abound, grace did so much more abound. Grace overshadowed and overwhelmed sin that grace won. Are we abounding in the Lord's work? I wonder tonight, is there any motivation found in the verse? Let me look and see. Let me see. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Is that what that says? Always means to continue. Preacher, when are you going to retire? I've been looking for that. And I found over there in Psalm 71, when your hair gets gray and your teeth fall out and you can't walk, just keep on showing folks and telling folks about the wonderful strength and power of Almighty God. We haven't retired. We quit. Is anybody here now? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, my reward... It's for my labor, not my results. Did you hear that? God rewards my labor, not my results. I labor and God gives the results. I give and God blesses over and over and over and over. See, it's not a question tonight. That we, that we do more. In closing, I think we just need to do something. Because we haven't retired. We haven't slowed down. We quit. 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 Did you teach anybody today? Did you encourage anybody in the Lord last week?
Do we have six buses sitting out there not moving? Those buses ain't slowed down. They quit. You didn't make a few visits for your Sunday school class last week. You quit. These bees are deadly. Now, could I tell you, at my age, I don't care if you get mad at me or not. I'm telling you the truth. This church was not built by vacating Christians. This church was built because Christians cared about a crowd because crowds produce people and people are what the church is all about. Deadly bees. Be is steadfast. Unmovable. Well, I'm so blessed to hear about our folks taking food to our families. Because if you give a cup of water in the Lord's name, you'll not lose your reward. I commend you for all of that. But I don't commend us having six buses sitting Sunday school classes, rooms, empty. Blaming the pandemic for our crowd, our attendance being down. Thanks be unto God. Give us us the victory. Well, preacher, our God to eat. From the looks of you, doing well. Well, I, 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 can't, I, I can't visit the Sunday school class and quit it. Did you hear me? Because we need to realize that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Work is healthy. Labor is healthy. Staying away from my wife's beehives are healthy. But staying away from God's beehives is not very healthy.